I like this slide. I saw this slide at the beginning of the year, January 1st, our first message. Remember that? Uh, I'm not going to sing it for you, but I love Billy Joel. And um, I was talking to somebody, some uh, young people today, the millennials have different ideas. They didn't like it, but uh, I like it. Um, you know, it's, uh, it talks about the New York state of mind. Now, the people who are just so in love with the New York, it's uh, under the weather right now, but uh, they just love. And if you, I, I just want to read this, this, the lyric one more time because it's, I just love it. And I'm sure you, some of you who know the song would love it a lot. And, and basically what Billy Joe was doing, he's saying this, he, this is the passion. New York is, is, is my life. This is the place. I don't need to go to Miami Beach to, to have a vacation. This is my home. This is my vacation place. I don't need to go anywhere because I am New York state of mind. So it goes something like this. Some folks like to get away, take a holiday from the neighborhood, hop a flight to Miami Beach or to Hollywood. But I am taking a Greyhound on a Hudson River line. I am in New York state of mind. Oh, yeah. Kind of something like that, you know. <laughs> I could sing it, but I'm not quite there. You know, <laughs> I got a lot of talents, I think, but this is one of talent that I don't have. And uh, I'm glad uh, Christina has it, and uh, so uh, that's that's okay. I'm not uh, disappointed at God whatsoever. Um, and and the point I was trying to make uh, at the beginning of the year is. You know, let's just take this ideal, and as we as believers, we just just we just love, you know, uh, uh, in love with God, and maybe turn this around a little bit and say, you know, this is like, okay, let's make something about the New Year state of, of mind. And what is this New Year state of mind? And we kind of said, you know, let this New Year be the year that we just really learn to focus on prayer. And uh, we talked about the prayer of Nehemiah. Nehemiah prayer had a, gave us a, a formula as to how we are to pray. Nehemiah said, you must first magnify the greatness, the awesomeness of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ, our God. So he just goes on talking about how great he is, how the loving and, and provider that he is. And he prays, just, just, just lifting him up. And then he's humbly, second thing is to confess before God. You are great, but you know, I, I've sinned. I did some terrible things. I got angry yesterday for no reason. You know? And then he goes on to pray uh, for the confession of his sins of his father's ancestor, the brothers and sisters, the mothers and fathers. This is the way we ought to be praying. It's not just about my sins, but the sins of our nation, the sins of our brothers and sisters, and sins of our church. That's how we ought to be praying for one another. And the third thing that he helped us to, to teach us how to pray is you got to be able to now have hope. Don't be depressed. Don't be guilty, but have a hope in Christ and just, just pray for that hope that God would deliver the from, from wherever we're in, and then continuing with the petitioning God, asking God, appealing God of the things that we need. Whether you're in sickbed, whether you're struggling, whatever it is, ask, petition him 
for him to grant. And that's the kind of prayer, and that's the um, New Year's state of mind that we as, as our congregation I just want you to just uh, embrace for entire year or for all your uh, life. And I think that's the way we left it off. And I just want to continue uh, on that theme because when you pray, do you know what you're, what's happening? You know, we often think about prayer as well. We pray God's going to listen. Well, there's something that is happening when you pray. There's something that we kind of conveniently skip. You know what that is? When you continuously pray to God, you will be found favored in His sight. And today's message is about finding favor in God's sight. See, when you've been noticed by someone, when you've been noticed by God, hmm, I like this guy. You know, you're going somewhere. Did you know that? The praying itself isn't just asking. The act of praying, the attitude, the attitude itself is something what is attractive. It's not sometimes what is in substance. It's not the result. It's the process. Being able to come before him, I want to, you know, ask and appeal. I like that attitude. I like the fact that you want to relate to me. I don't even need to hear what you are uh, asking about. I already know. But I like you. You please me. You satisfy me. Therefore, you get whatever you need. That's our God. That's why we magnify him, because he's great God. He's awesome God. You know, um, I really want all of you, to really have a blessed life. I know we all struggle. You know why? We all struggle because we focus on the struggling life. But try to, let's just begin to really focus on blessed life. On blessed life. And, and you know, people are attracted to people who talk about good things. Well, you don't want to be one of those companies where, you know, what they call, what is that thing? The misery loves company. It's, you know, it's, some people just like to be in that dwelling in the situation. That's a dark side. I want to go into the more bright side. You know, just want you to have a blessed life. You know, we often greet one another by saying, God bless you. Or when somebody sneezes, we say, God bless you. You know why people, we say God bless when somebody sneezes? I never knew why people, when I came to the country in 12 years, when I was 12 years old, I have no idea why people say God bless when people sneeze. <laughs> I really did. Do you know? Well, I found out what it was. Because it's very much related to the, the thing that I'm talking about. Well, see, in all our long, 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 long time ago, People had this belief that when you sneeze, part of your soul is coming out of your body, which gives opportunity for evil spirit to enter your body. They really believed that. 
So they said, God bless you as a protection, as a shield, so the evil spirit will not enter. You see, in the back long, long time ago, the evil spirit was big, the Halloween was one of that kind of thing. And if, you, you know, if you've been here with me long enough to understand the, all about marriage ceremony, it all comes from how the, you have a best man and the brides. It's all about evil spirit. If you want to know, just wait for another sermon. It's really fascinating, fascinating. Why people have a best man? It's like best man is to protect from evil spirit. That's exactly what it is. And, uh, and uh, all these uh, bridesmaids are all similar kind of thing. But I won't go into detail. It'll be another five minutes. But when we say, may God bless you, what we really mean is for you to have a blessed life with the good things and protection from the harm. More importantly, for that person to be found in God's favor so that he or she can be showered with blessings. The point of today's message is for us to have a blessed life. And in order for us to have a blessed life, we need to be found in favor by God. He has to like us. I know you all come to church. I know you just... You know, embrace God and you pray, praise God. Let me ask this question. Do you think God likes you? I didn't ask you whether God loves you. God loves you. That's where the thing, the free gift comes from. Regardless who you are, God loves you. Because God is love. Then the question is, does he like you? Is he satisfied with you? Is he pleased with you? Would he say that, <clears throat> not only that he is my son or daughter, can he say he is my friend? Can he say that about you? When we say, God bless you, oftentimes we think about only one, that's me. God bless you, me. But if you really look at this three-word sentence, there are two individuals. There's God and there's you. And how is it that we always focus on the you part, the me part? Have you ever thought about God part? Yes, us, me, me. We want to be on a receiving end. We just want to get what we want. We want from God. God, give that to me. Give that blessing to me. But what would be the God's position? God is saying, I have already loved you. You are my son. You are my daughter. I'm not kicking you out anywhere. But whether as to whether I really like you or not, it's something else. Think about that. We have uh, you know, adults here. We have kids. We all love our kids. Do we love, do we like them the same way? That's kind of debatable, but, but you know what I mean. You see, God is in a position to bless you or not. He doesn't have to bless you because he already gave you something that's bigger. He gave you new life. 
He already has forgiven you. But we have to think about God and, and us because like they say, you know, it takes two to tangle. We can't just have one just, just always about me, me, me. Look at the relationship with husband and wife. There's always a type of dis- argument, discussion. It's all about me, me, me. That's where the argument comes along. The moment you speak about the other person, it's going to be, you know, that's when big things begin to settle down. Well, to be blessed, to be found favoring God, there's nothing is free. And I have to be very careful about what I said here. Even the free gift is not free. From door to door, it's not free. The moment that you are a, a place until you get there, it's not free. When you are a certain place, from that point on, it may be free. But to get there, it's not free. The free gift that we're talking about, it is free gift. But in order for you to get that gift, you've got to go somewhere. You've got to go to that cross. That's why when we say, if you're to receive free gift, if you're ready, you want to give your you know, life to, the, to Christ, you have to come here in the front altar, walking from that seat to here. That's a work. And you're sitting there, we're not doing anything. It's not it yet. You have to be able to profess that Christ is your Savior. It takes work. We often forget that. To be blessed, there's a component in which we need to be working for. So that God say, I like you. I am satisfied with you. You understand what I'm talking about? How many people like freebies? Who says, here's a freebie, I would deliver it to you? I don't think I have anybody offering that. They say, you want this thing free? Come and get it. Well, coming and getting it, that's not free. You have to get to it. You have to spend some money. You've got to put the, turn the engine on and spend some fuel and spend some money and, to get there. Usually, what, JCPenney's or Macy's, freebie, free this. Well, sometimes that's not really free because if you, if you buy this, you get the free. It's not really free, but it's still it's free. It's free, but the thing is you've got to get there. Once you are there, it's free gift. But from home until you come back, it's not totally free gift. You have to do some work. To receive his blessings, there are two steps. Number one, for non-believers... You must run to cross. You must utter that word, I have sinned, I repent, I want to be changed. And you, my Lord, you're my personal Savior. I believe you can help me to change. That's a work. That is tremendous amount of work. People with the pride, people with like, this is a very, very difficult thing to say. And once you say that, you're blessed. You're blessed with the salvation, that which is we call free gift of God. The second thing is that you must be found in his favor, and that's for believers. That is 
blessing that's beyond the blessings of salvation. The blessings in life comes when we are favored by God. So when are we are found favored in God's sight? When he is simply pleased with us. When he likes what we do. When he is satisfied with us. When he likes the way we move. When he likes the way we edify and the way we carry ourselves. Simply, you've got to be liked. You've got to be liked. By who? By God. And just as a reminder, when are you not found favoring God? We've been studying Proverbs, the entire chapter or book. We're on chapter 29. We only have a couple chapters to go. You remember chapter 6, things that God detests. Do you think that we do some of those God, that things that God detests, God hates, that God's going to, that we will be found favor in God's sight? You know, some of the things that uh, God hates and detests are something that we do on an everyday basis. Let me just, as a reminder, number one, holy eyes. I don't need to expand on that. We do this all, all the time. I don't like that. I don't want to be there. You know, it's just, just that's attitude of holy eyes too. Just looking at that person's strange eyes. Holy eyes is judgment. You, you're judging people. God hates that. And you want to come and praise God and, and want to be found favor and be blessed? I have a news for you. Think twice. You believers. Do you know why the believers are very critical in this way? Because I've been preaching or talking to you about uh, the, the Bible. When God says that you know, salvation is by free gift, it's not by faith, he was talking to who? Non-believers. But in James, when he was talking to believers and all the believers gathered, he had a different message. You are my people now. That's never going to change. But faith alone is not good enough. You have to work now. That's exactly what it says in James. It's the same kind of thing. In fact, it is the same thing. Second thing, the six things that he hates and seven things that he detests. Second is lying tongue. That's pretty simple to understand. Hence, they shed innocent blood. Hearted devices of wicked schemes. Pretty common things in business. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. Going to the places you shouldn't be going. And you know in your heart you're not supposed to, but you go there anyways. Doing things they're not supposed to do anyways. False witness who pours out lies. Ooh, 
that's bad. I know, I know, I hear lots of dramas by young people. It's all about this. They say something about me behind my back. Do you think God likes that? Do you think you'll be liked when you do those things? And you think you'll be found favored in God's sight? And the man who stirs up dissension among brothers. In my office, business side, not a church side, one of the last things is these things I do not tolerate. Our company is a very loving company. We give them the first chance, the second chance. If you violate one of these things that God detests hates, they're going to hear about it. If they do it once or twice, they don't even have to, we don't even take it to three strikes. Because this is how important and critical it is for the survival of the company, for the survival of the ship. And why people begin to do these things that God hates and detests, the underlying reason is all these people just wants to make a name for themselves. And we talk about that as well. God hates when people try to make a name for themselves. The reason why the Tower of Babel came down, it was demolished. In fact, it didn't just naturally happen in the Bible. The Bible says that God was so upset, he actually came down from the heaven. Did you know that? God came down from heaven? It wasn't the, Jesus wasn't the first time. A lot of people think, oh, Jesus came down. No, God came down. The only time God came down was... Uh, when Jesus came down, Jesus as God, he came down. No, 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 no. Bible is very clear, and we studied it. And God says, I don't like this. So he says, let us go down. And he came down. They came down. You know who they were? They, it was plural. For those, one of the people have no idea what I'm talking about. God says, let us come down and just get rid of this. Let's give people warning." Let us. You know, who are us? Who are these people? Us. It's God himself and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible teaches. Jesus was there from the beginning. Just as the Holy Spirit. It's very consistent. Bible is just totally amazing. Holy book. If you want to be found favor by God, you need to be pleased by God. You cannot please God by trying to make a name for yourself. And to be found by to be found favor by God, you need to begin to build this tower of wanting to be favored by God. In order to be pleased, in order to be satisfied by God, or to satisfy God, the, only, the, the, things, the only thing that you can really build is this tower of love. Love that contains forgiveness, love that contains the healing, love that contains all that things that we do caring for others. Because all of the seven things or six things that God hates and detests, it's all about hurting people. It's nothing about a particular, it's always about hurting people. God doesn't want you to hurt people. 
Let's look at Proverbs 29. Look at Proverbs 29. Instead of looking at the meaning of the verses, I just need you to tell me, when I read a Bible verse, whether this is favored or not favored. So this is an exercise. So it's a really easy exercise, you know. So if you look at chapter 29, verse 1, a man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Is he liked by God? Is he favored guy by God or not? He's not favored guy. So that's your lesson. Let's look at verse 2. When a righteous thrive, the people rejoice. Is God pleased with that or not pleased? You are favored. When wicked rule, the people wrong. Not favored. That's easy ones. I just said it for you. When a man loves wisdom, brings joy to his father. Is that, what is it? Is it favor or not favor? It's a favor. But a companion of prostitute squanders his wealth. It's the opposite. Not favored. By justice, a king gives country stability. Favored or not favored? He'll be favored. But one who is greedy for bribes, tear it down, tears it down. Would this person be favored by God or not favored? It's not favored God. Proverbs 29 is just full of this kind of things. In fact, the entire Proverbs 20, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is about this kind of things. Remember we talked about Proverbs? Proverbs isn't just some sweet, nice saying. It is the essence of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you know about Jesus Christ, other than the factual thing that he is son of a God, that he came down and died for us, if that's the only thing you know, but if you know more about God and Jesus, what his essence is, the character, the way he thinks, the value system, read every verse in Proverbs will tell you exactly the way he thinks. And when you just are able to digest all this, that's when you can flow in wisdom and discernment. So what are we to do? What am I to do with all this? How do I, you know, I remember um, I was actually struggling with this. Not specifically what I just described to you. Because I was a believer since I was a child, since I was an infant. And um, I just, just went to church all my life. My father was pastor, so I understand about the whole thing. So I was in the hospital, as you don't know, 21 years ago. Can you imagine just lying in a bed, just uh, walking in the shadow of death, waiting for heart transplant? I just want you to imagine a little bit. And thinking, what am I to do? You got the initial shock that you cannot survive or live without heart transplant. I am really, really sick. My heart is no good. They told me there's no cure for it. There is no cure for it whatsoever. They told me even miracles are not going to work. Because 
heart is only muscle in our body. Once it dies, it does not regenerate. It's not like any other muscle in our body. It is not helpful. The only way for you to survive is to heart transplant. I was thinking, even like I could die even during the surgery. And even if the surgery went well, how long do I have to live? Do I have six months? Five years? What would I do with whatever time I have left? When these kind of thoughts are beginning to preoccupy your mind, things begin to shift. Things begin to change. All the value system that I had in the past is no longer applicable. I'm looking for new insight, new direction, new wisdom. Then I realized something was missing from my life. Up until that time, I didn't think I was missing anything from my life. In terms of uh, uh, growing up, my status, status at that time, I was 29, 30, 30. By the time I was in the hospital, I was 31, 32 years old. I was doing well. I had a great job and had a nice house. And I got a, you know, live, enough to live comfortably. And with things so Things were going quite well. And in spiritual sense, I was baptized. I went to every, uh, every uh, Sunday school, and I went to service, and I enjoyed going to church, and I was comfortable at the church. But there was something missing. There was a big hole in my heart. I was sure that I would go to heaven. And I was a believer. I was sure that I was going to go to heaven. I have that eternal life. And there's, there just shouldn't be any problem. But there was an emptiness. Something was incomplete in my life. It just wasn't sure. I just knew something was missing. So, so I, had to make, I had to make sure. So I went through this, what I call mental checklist. What would you go through to just to make sure that that in your facing death, that you're going to be okay in terms of uh, your spiritual belief that you're going to be, not so much just your heaven, but it's going to be okay with your life. So I made this mental checklist. There aren't too many. I asked, did I accept Christ as my personal Savior? Very clear, yes. I checked that off. Do I believe in salvation, that it is a free gift of God? And that whoever is saved will have eternal life. I firmly believe that I said, yes, I checked it off that too. That I asked for his forgiveness, I did, yes, I checked that off too. And my entire salvation checklist was complete, but something was still missing in my heart. And I wasn't sure what it was. And then what I realized is this. What I realized is that before I can argue about my right for salvation, my right to do, to go to eternal, uh, have eternal life, my right to that free gift, I realized that salvation itself was based on the act of love of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for others. Forgiving others and loving others. The key word here was others. 
And with that understanding, I realized also that my salvation checklist was all about me, me, and me. None of it was about others. It was all about how much I wanted God to love me. It was all about how much I wanted God to comfort me. It was all about how much I wanted God to forgive me. Nothing wrong. And you should have that attitude. I have received his grace and mercy. I was confident with that. Then I realized Jesus did not die on the cross so that God can love him. Jesus did not die on the cross so God can comfort him. Jesus did not die on the cross so that God can forgive him. Jesus died simply for others. And that was the missing part that I realized. His interest was about others. Mine was about all about me. I was so focused on the saving nature of salvation that saved me. I didn't have anything about loving others, comforting others, forgiving others, and leading others. I was not building this tower of love. And finally one day, God helped me to really find a way to be found in favor with him. Let me give one illustration. After my heart transplant surgery, or during that time, I had this overwhelming sense of wanting to start my own business with this new awakening. It's all about others. So I was ready to start my new business, the design firm, because that's the only thing I knew, design. And I was just, I was just ready. And I was ready to just go and, and start this business and, uh, and help others. And uh, I was on a God's mission, and no one's going to stop me. I know that God was with me, and I sensed this uh, power of the Holy Spirit in me. And go and do this. I can do this. I was ready. And the presence of the Holy Spirit saying, that's it. And, and, and the work of the Holy Spirit is saying, let's do this. Let's go. And the power of the Holy Spirit is humming and saying, what are you doing? Come on. What are you waiting for? Let's do this. I felt this amazing sensation of wanting to do this. But I had a problem. There was a woman. This woman, instead of saying, let's do it, she said, Let's not do it. I was like saying to myself, if you are a woman, you're supposed to say, let's do it, and let's go eat that fruit. Why are you saying, let's not do it? Knowing me, the past, 
I was really ready to ignore her. You know who this person is by now, right? The Jan is my wife. In the case you didn't know. I, 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 I just want to ignore her because I know what I'm doing. She doesn't know anything about design. And it is the one I'm, it's, it's that business I'm starting. You know, you can just do whatever you want to do. This is my business. I want to do it. I was ready to do it. But first, until then, I had really, really listened to her as I did it my way. I did it okay. So, like, I don't, see, it doesn't have anything to pick on me. And I did pretty good. But then the sweet Holy Spirit gently reminded me about, oh, you want to do your way, huh? So you're not seeking my favor. I heard that. Oh, you're not seeking my favor. Oh, so you want to do your way, huh? And you're going to use me because you're saying this is a godly mission. We exist to help those that need as a godly mission. You're just going to do it. You're going to ignore your wife. Oh. And I was about to ignore it. And God began to speak to me and saying, this is not how you do it, Tim. You don't understand. You can't do anything for me. You're going to set out to help those that I need. What are you kidding? I don't need you to help those that I need. I can do that myself. I'm looking at your process. Not the end result. I want to see your attitude. He was saying, I don't really need you. If you want to help those who are in need by starting a design firm, well, then fine. But I suggest that you go and help your wife by listening to her. She is the one who is in need. I didn't like that in the beginning. And I said, like, what? I got this mission. It's not my mission. It's not about me, me, me. It's about others, others, others. You've been preaching about to me, God. What are you talking about? I'm going to go and help others. No, no, no. The person who are in need is your wife. She does not want you to do it. But I wanted to find favor in God's sight. I wanted to be blessed. And the only answer was to wait. And that was work for me. I like to get things done. I can't sit around and waiting. It's not in my nature. When you are found in favor, guy, you know, things happen. But it took about a year. I waited for one entire year. Going back to the company that treated me well, but I wasn't really, my mind wasn't there. So it was like struggle because I want to do this God's work. So about a year later, which was more like 10 years to me, and you know the story. Yeah, have, I have said several times in different occasions. My younger brother calls me and asks me, so I hear that you want to start a company. What does it take? And he continued, you know, 
Well, for us in the medical field, when we are trying to open our own uh, medical practice, uh, which he was at that time intern, uh, it's going to cost at least a quarter of a million dollars for rent and equipment, and we need a lot of initial money to pay for our staff, like nurses and receptionists. It's a must in the medical. You can't, I can't start on my own. I mean, I have to have a staff. I have to have a nurse. I need a lot of initial payment. And I said, well, for me, all I need is one computer. I can begin my practice in my home garage. I don't need any uh, money for that. And I don't need any staff. I can do all by myself. Two weeks later, I received three boxes in front of my house containing computer, monitor, and accessories. My brother has sent it to me. He forked up his savings, the little savings that he had as an intern. He probably bought it with a credit card and sent it to me. My wife, the woman that I was talking about, looked at it. I didn't say a word. She looked at it and looked at me and said, well, I guess, I guess we're going to start a new business. I was able to find favor from my wife, Janice, and I knew I was found favored in God's sight. And then, you know, the rest of history, God blessed the firm so much to be able to afford this building, to be able to continue to go on and on and on, and to be able to run a business with a, with a value saying, I have a plan, but my plan is no plan, and it works we're the only engineering architecture firm during the last five years that not laid off anybody. Just about every company laid off about 30 to 50% of the people. Of course I have a plan. That's a wonderful time for me to give testimony to those people. They say, tell me about your plan. Well, I have no plan. But you say you have a plan. And my plan is no plan. We're going to hear about the plan. You see what happens when you have your own plan, you don't listen to anybody else. I was there. When you have your own agenda plan, A, B, C, D, all the strategies, you know what happens? God pokes, tears what to do, but you don't listen because you have a plan. And I realized something, that if I want to be found a favor, I'm not going to have my own agenda, my own plan, but I am going to commit to to, to be found in favor so that I can be blessed. In order for me to do that, I need to be able to open up to hear him. So my plan is to hear God's, God's impulse. And I knew that God was pleased. God was satisfied. I knew that God liked how I edified my wife. I know I have been found favor in his sight. And the life is good. And I want you to have that kind of blessed life. Yes, I got little struggles here and there, but that's, that's part of God's speaking to me. God speaks to us in our troubles, in our sufferings. That's the way he communicates to us. Because each 
of suffering and challenges we go through, it's the seed that will germinate one day and will bear fruits. So let's go back to our Proverbs 29 and read some additional because today's really message is to be favored or not to be favored. Easy, fundamental, like elementary kindergarten class. So if we can start with, uh, for example, uh, verse 12. If a ruler listens to lies, all his officials become wicked. Favored or not favored? Not favored. A lot of this has application to all of us in the daily lives. You see, ruler, not just the king that you hear. Father is ruler of the family. Mother is ruler of the family. Supervisor ruler of the company. President is ruler of the, the company. It applies to all of us. Fourteen, if a king judges the poor with fairness, his throne will always be secure. Does God favor this person or not? God favors this person. The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. First part, favored. Latter part, is not favored. When the wicked thrive, so does sin, but the righteous will see their downfall. The first part, it's not favored. Just, if you just take your time, read this, this isn't something applying to some, some people of the past. It applies to every single one of us in our daily lives. Discipline your son, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Will God be favored or not favored? He'll be favored. And he goes on and on and on. When you read Proverbs, not try, you know, two ways. You can try to understand exact meaning of that and just go into commentary and this and that. That's good too. That's the end result. Don't always focus on the end result. God is more interested in the process. So you're added to. Because his desire is to bless you beyond the gift of uh, salvation that he has already given you. So that my prayer is for you to have a blessed life. My prayer is for you to be found favored by our God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you so much for your desire to, to bless us and you seek us to be found in your favor. You want to favor us and help us to be obedient to your words so that we continue to please you, that we are found, that we are satisfying you and that we desire you, Father. So help us, Father. Help us. The Holy Spirit come and just deliver us, Father, and live kind of a life where we can be found the favor in your side. 
and pray this in Jesus' name. I want to uh, continue with our um, uh, the prayer time congregation, as we've done in the past, beginning this year. Give you a chance to just just pray, and uh, I encourage you to uh, pray um, audibly and corporately. Because in Acts two, it was all about believers coming together. What do they do? They worship together. They dine together. They pray together. They share together. When that happened, the Holy Spirit descended upon them, and they were able to experience some amazing power. And I know many of us not quite there with the discipline of being able to just have a devotional time each and every day. At least maybe we can teach you here. Or at least you are able to articulate the prayers that Nehemiah prayed. That prayer was so, so powerful. When he was exiled and came back and found the walls of Jerusalem all completely destroyed, and he prayed that prayer, and the entire wall was resurrected in 52 days. God was with him. Nehemiah was found in favor in God's sight. So we're going to do it the way we did in the past. One of the first prayer will be to magnify our God. Just, just focus on magnifying our God. That He is awesome, He is great, that He has He's a provider, that He's creator. That, that he, he has, is in control of everything. That he has ability and the power to, to bless you. Just magnify his name, his being. And, the second, and then we're going to have somebody come up here and just finish that prayer, short prayer. And then we'll pray for the um, confession. And Nehemiah then said, after magnifying the Lord, and he said, the prayer of confession. He said, basically, I have sinned. I have sinned today and yesterday. Please forgive me, he says. And then he went beyond. It's not about me, me, me. It was about others. He said, I pray for the confession of the sins for my fathers, the relatives, brothers and sisters, my mother and my father." That's how he prayed. So we want to be able to pray in that kind of prayer as well. If there's something about your church that disappoints you, pray for that confession of the sins. The third thing, then we'll let somebody else come up and pray for that portion of the prayer. And the last thing that we're going to pray is to pray for the hope. Nehemiah prayed for the hope, hope that this wall of Jerusalem can be built. And later God allowed it to be built in 52 days. And you have hope, and at the same time you can pray for a petition, things that you need. If you're sick, sick, pray for sick. Just appeal God, petition God for the things that we need. Well, that's the third one. And the last one, the fourth one, is that we're going to pray for the... Uh, 
so that we can be found in favor in God's sight. Okay? So why don't we just all together uh, just pray audibly.